0: You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within
1: the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. I start off with a quote or a scripture. And so today I got a simple quote and it just says, you need to hang out with people who fit your future and not your history. So, Be thinking about where you're trying to go, and that's the people you need to be putting around yourself, whether they're mentors, people who have accomplished what you want to accomplish, or people that are on that journey. That's the people you want in your circle. So I have a guest today. I'm excited to have her on. With over 15 years of experience in the real estate industry, Crystal Young has become one of the most sought-out real estate professionals in the state of New York for legal representation, speaking events, panels, first-time homebuyer seminars, as well as real estate office trainings. Because of her superior networking skills, calm demeanor, and work-around-the-clock mindset, she has a unique ability to bring ease and comfort to any transaction. Her commitment to the real estate industry has garnered her reputation unmatched. Crystal continues to receive numerous awards for her dedication and commitment to clients. She's been featured in the New York Real Estate Journal as one of the top women in real estate in New York and is a 2020 and 2019 super lawyer a distinction given to only 2.5% of attorneys in the New York metro area. Thank you for being on the show.
0: Absolutely, Terrence. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm honored to be here. You're doing great things so in this space, so I am very honored to be here. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for being here. So we all have a story. What is yours? like? And, and like, what led you to real estate? So tell me your story what led you to real estate, and then we'll start diving deep into that.
0: So what landed me into real estate? Well, it starts that, you know, I grew up in New York, on Long Island, um, Mom and dad, Mom and Dad worked hard, Dad worked two jobs, Mom worked four pm. to 12 am. So you know so both of them were just very hardworking individuals, but we still lived paycheck to paycheck. So growing up and kind of seeing that. You know, I kind of made a decision early on that I would get good grades and you know and do what they told me, go to school. At that time I thought I wanted to be a child psychiatrist, but um here I am and I'll get to, to how I landed here in in a bit. But yeah, um I watched my parents really, you know, work hard and, and struggle a bit, but my dad was so intelligent, you know, just kind of watching him growing up. He read the newspaper every single day he went to you know like the little corner store he would get the newspaper pick it up i'd find him reading it every day next thing you know he got our house rezoned for like one of the best school districts on long island so that was phenomenal at as a kid i didn't really understand the impact of that but now kind of being in real estate and and knowing that that's not something easy to do Um, It's actually kind of amazing in having conversations with him. Yeah. As to how he was able to do that. So he got us rezoned into, you know, a really good school district. I went away to school, the University of Maryland came home and I landed a job as a bookkeeper's assistant at a law firm. So now this wasn't what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a child psychiatrist, go to medical school, all of that. But, you know, my first job, bookkeeper's assistant at a law firm the law firm over time promoted me to a assistant paralegal then i became a paralegal and then i ultimately became a supervising paralegal at the law firm so at that point i was like okay well you know i've been here now 8 years but i'm so unfulfilled i you know i kind of dread going into the office, because this isn't really what I want to do. And then you want to ask why. So I, the type of law firm I worked at was a real estate law firm, but we handled forger proceedings. Mm-hmm. So we represented big banks that were foreclosing on people's homes. So my I watched my parents struggle you know, growing up, and now I'm working in a field where a lot of the people that would call into the office what sounded like my parents, hardworking individuals, working hard, family struggling, and now they're losing their homes. So it wasn't fulfilling at all. I ultimately you know, decided that this wasn't something I wanted to do. But after eight years working at a law firm, I said, you know what, maybe I'll go to law school. So that's uh, what happened. I continued to work as a paralegal, and I went to law school at night. I went all through summer. I just wanted to do it as soon as and as quickly as possible so I can kind of like get out of there. <laughs> and I ultimately graduated law school and I decided to then work for a sole practitioner. This sole practitioner handled real estate transactions where he represented buyers, sellers, and banks. And that's mm-hmm. like kind of like my whole life changed. At that point, I realized, wow, I'm like helping people. People are buying homes. People are selling homes. This is like a happy time. No more dealing with big banks that, you know, were really just concerned with, you know, foreclose as soon as possible, get, you know, a foreclosure sale on the calendar as soon as possible. Now I'm dealing with uh educating buyers, sellers, banks, also realtors and loan officers, educating all, you know, these parties as to, you know, the real estate transaction and, you know, just educating them on the legal side of, of their transaction. So, so that's like yeah. kind of like my long winded story as to how I got into real estate.
1: No, I love it. So let's break that down a little bit. Yeah, so of course. was there ever a time where did it just kind of happen? To just get with a sole practitioner that was his emphasis was real estate, or did you seek him out when you were looking for opportunities once you graduated from law school?
0: Yeah, he was someone that I knew from the real estate industry, so he kind of sought me out, and for me, it was a no brainer because as a sole practitioner, not only did did he handle real estate, but he handled some other things. So it landed me into the courtroom where I was actually, you know, representing tenants in uh, eviction proceedings and things of that nature. So I got to do a lot of different things. So, you know, as a, you know, new attorney, fresh out of law school, the opportunity to to, uh, work under someone that had this experience in real estate, but the other side of real estate and also to, you know, enter into the courtroom and all of that, it really was life-changing.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, really got my attention. I just feel like, you know, when you think of an attorney, they carry this aura that at times the ones that I've been around, like, it's end all be all with them, right? And I feel like your energy didn't come off as that. And I thought that was really cool. And I feel like you're more about giving back and like, and, and helping bring the education level up to who you're interacting with. And I think that even says in your bio where you've gone around and you've trained people. When you're training, what are some of the topics? What, do you, what would you feel like is one of your top one or two topics that you train on?
0: Yeah, I really like to just train on. I mean, I teach this class in real estate offices that's called Understanding Contracts. And mm-hmm. it's really just like you think about when you're working with an attorney, just like you said, you know, it's like, you know, attorney comes with like a negative connotation and contracts come also with a, you know, this, okay, what am I signing? You know, is there some sort of hidden agenda? So I love to teach what's actually contained in the contract. And, you know, just to make the clients, the real estate agents, the mortgage lenders secure in that one, I know what I'm talking about. But then, two, that when they sign a contract, they're really protected. I mean, when you sign a contract, you're putting a down payment down. There are clauses that allow you to get your down payment back. So mm-hmm. I really have uh, like to put a lot of uh, emphasis on that so that, you know, buying a house doesn't become as kind of scary and nerve wracking as one, you know, would create it to be. So mm-hmm. that's really what I focus on when, you know, I'm educating you know buyers and and sellers and and also realtors and mortgage lenders that's why I'm focused on the contract
1: yeah so how many pages is y'all's contract in in uh, New York or upstate
0: yeah you know what it it really depends
1: on the addendums and everything
0: yeah it depends so there is a New York state contract that is like a standard contract it's about say 8 or 9 pages okay. The New York State Bar Association has prepared like the sample contract that a lot of attorneys use in New York. But attached to that, attorneys then uh, include their own rider, and that rider goes into some sort of specifics and details. Things that the New York State Bar Association didn't really consider at the time because the contract that sample contract was done some years ago. So now there's things such as like solar panels or maybe tax grievances and conditions like that post possession clauses that weren't considered in the form contract that are now included in the rider so it depends so that's like a standard residential contract if we're talking about commercial contract maybe about 30 pages if we're talking about you know a, what's called a sponsor sale uh, in a co-op situation that's about you know 30 or 40 pages or if it's new construction so it just depends on, you know, what type of transaction we're talking about.
1: No, that's good. That, that's really good. So let's talk. I want to hit a couple of points that came up just as you were telling your story. I, I think well, there are some misnomers. One is eviction, the eviction process, obviously, with COVID last year and the ban on evictions and blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to get into the governmental side. I really want to focus on because you have investors, you have realtors, you have tenants, who really don't understand the premise of eviction. So everybody's got these myths that they think the eviction process looks like. If you were just going to do a flyover of this is the eviction process, these are the steps and as a tenant or as a landlord, these are just kind of the framework that you got to kind of play within. Could you walk me through that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So when we talk about a eviction proceeding, there's kind of several things to consider because um you know, your state has imposed regulations as to, you know, what it means to evict. And so there's certain notice requirements, etc. But then the actual lease has its own notice provisions. So you kind of have to follow both. So say, for instance, in the state of New York, if you've lived in the property for over, you know, like a, a certain amount of time, there's a notice that must be sent. So the notice, uh, goes out, maybe a 90 day notice, but maybe under your lease agreement, maybe it says a 15 day notice. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to comply with both. You send mm-hmm. out a 15 day notice under the lease. And this is me representing a landlord. I would yes, send sure. out the 15 day notice that's required under the lease. And then the say 90 day notice that's required under the government regulations. The next step is, you know, you start an eviction proceeding um, with the court, the court, the judge, you know, here's the case, he may put it on or allow an adjournment first time, second time on. And then it's still a process. Even after the judge makes a decision, the judge may say, okay, listen, I'll give you 30 days to vacate. 30 mm-hmm. days comes. It's not that, you know, the landlord can't just, you know, go to the property and change the locks. There's still a call to the sheriff. The sheriff has to come. Sheriff's always behind a month plus, so <laughs> then the sheriff shows up serves his notice, which is like a seventy two hour notice and then you know the sheriff has requirements and things and that the the they require the landlord to to hire a moving company to actually move the items and the items have to stay in storage for a certain amount of time and you know so so there are some requirements now as it relates to a tenant tenants have you know a lot of protections now for for covid if you have been affected by covid there's like an affidavit you can file with the court that you know allows you some extra time but ultimately as a tenant you go to court you kind of argue your case Uh, judges are are typically sympathetic as to, you know, the happenings, you know, which caused you to now appear before him or her. Um, so judges typically give you some time and then, you know, it's the same procedure. A judge gives you time, maybe 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. If you're not out, then again, the sheriff is called and you know, that's what, what happens.
1: No, that's good.
0: Yeah, So, so, so that's kind of like the process. Going back to when I worked in foreclosure, actually, that was like kind of the hardest part of, of working for banks because a homeowner would call and say it was a, a situation where one of the spouses has recently passed away. Now, the requirement of the big bank, the mortgage company would be to send a notice as soon as that notice goes out from the law firm, the surviving spouse will call hysterical. Am I going to be evicted? Am I going to you know, lose my home? Are my kids going to be on the street? And that's like heart-wrenching for anyone. And especially yeah. me at that Someone time. Is, yeah, exactly. Kind of going through that. So, but a foreclosure proceeding, that takes months and months and then the eviction as well. So, there is some time for anyone that's kind of like experiencing that to figure it out and, and, and get some things in, into place. And a lot of times the your uh, city or town have options and places to go in and services that will allow you to vacate and, and move and not end up on the street as one would think.
1: That's great wisdom. So let me ask you, your typical client, right? So are you just in your area or are you in other states? Who is who is your typical client? Is it a developer? Is it a multifamily investor? You're more transactional. Let's let's kind of talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. So majority of my clientele are first time home buyers. Okay. Um, yeah. So I represent a lot of first time home buyers in residential transactions. I have a good number of investors that work with me as well, purchasing multifamily homes, but also sellers. A lot of my clients are selling and purchasing kind of simultaneously. So that comes with its own set of challenges and stressors. But yeah, that's my that's my clientele. So the good thing about a first time home buyer is that they kind of come in very you know, just inquisitive. What is the process? And it's all stuff that I love to talk about. So I actually get excited. You know, my first question always is, you know, is it your first home? And then, you know, we take a second, we kind of celebrate that, you know, it's like, okay, let's take a second and understand what's happening here. Like you're about to buy a house, like this is a a big big deal. deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's my, really my favorite type of client. Um, because you know, I've been there and I know what it's like to enter into a transaction just kind of be nervous and, you know, going from most times renting and renting sometime for a really long time, never really thinking that they would even qualify for a mortgage. And now actually being in the midst of it all, is kind of nerve wracking, but it's exciting at the same time. So I love being there to like celebrate with the first time home buyers in particularly that initial uh, phone call.
1: No, I love it. And and that's the thing. I have a lot of first-time investors and first-time home buyers listening to the podcast. So if you were going to give me wisdom as my attorney, right? So I come to you and say, I'm thinking about buying my first home. I know there's a lot of things moving, but if you said, Hey, here are three things that you need to understand and know or keep an eye out for, what would that be? Like if you were giving me wisdom on buying my first home or first investment?
0: Yeah. Okay. So you definitely want to have a good team. You have to have a team of professionals when you are buying your first home. So you want to ensure that you are working with a mortgage lender that has a track record, um, someone that maybe by referral, referral is really the best way to choose a mortgage lender, your realtor, your attorney by referral, because now, you know, from someone that's actually utilized this person, So, so that's really my advice. Um, that's number one. Also, you know, just the kind of mindset part of it all. It is stressful (laughs) when -hmm. you are purchasing a home because, you know, you're finally now moving kind of like overnight from a renter's mindset to a homeowner's mindset. And those two mindsets are very kind of different. And so, you have to, you know, kind of remain, I'd say calm, remain Mm -hmm. positive, you know, about the process and don't listen to, you know, outsiders when you're purchasing a home as well. Listen to the mortgage professionals that you hire um, because they're going to be able to tell you from experience what's happening. Don't listen to the neighbor you know, that said, well, when I bought my house, you know, I closed in 10 days. Like yeah. that's not, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 40 years ago, but yeah, now yeah, we're, yeah. Not, we're, we're not closing in 40 days guy. And so, like, yeah. you know, and then also just, you know, when you are listening to people, you know, just kind of make sure it makes sense. You know, if they're talking about when they purchased the home in Florida and we're in New York, it's a completely different process. You don't even need an attorney in, you know, a lot of states when you are purchasing a home in New York is one of those states where you actually uh, need an attorney. So, um, so those are kind of the things that I would uh, instruct a first time home buyer to look out for.
1: No, that's great. So as the real estate market is obviously just crazy right now, all over the United States, where do you see the biggest opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months just in the real estate space?
0: Yeah. So in the real estate space. You know, in the next 12 to 24 months, we can't, you know, 100% determine where, you know, the market's going to go, if it's going to decline, if it's going to remain the same. But what I'd say to anyone that wants to enter into, you know, this real estate space is to be prepared for whatever happens in the next 12 to 24 months. Mm. I don't think we'll ever go back to 2007, 2008 we experienced a crash only because that crash occurred because of, you know, due to predatory lending. And mm-hmm. I was in foreclosure during that time. So I was well aware of what was going on prior. It's nothing like that now being on the other side and, and, and seeing the terms of the loans. Most of the loans, uh, our clients are signing are fixed rate loans. So we don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, in the next five years, that fluctuation of now, you know, that Interest rate change up and down. Yeah. That's that's really what caused that two thousand seven, two thousand eight crash. So I don't anticipate that happening, but what I do anticipate is that and what I see, oh uh I have a good number of clients that are purchasing Mm -hmm. homes for well over asking, like well over asking, because that's kind of the market we're in. And if you want a home, that's you know, it's kind of what you have to do. But what I I can I'm not a fortune teller I'm not Miss Cleo yeah. <laughs> but what I can imagine is at some point perhaps the home values will maybe start to decline as maybe interest rates go up and then that's going to cause some of the people that purchase well over asking to want to get out of out of those mortgages or or out of the homes and in that case my advice. To anyone that wants to be an investor, is to kind of prepare yourself now for that. Because when that happens, I think a lot of uh, sellers will want to get out very quickly and you have to have all your ducks in a row. So at that point, you know, you want to have your maybe a hard money lender in the pipeline, just so, you know, if you need to make a quick offer and offer all cash by way of a hard money loan, you're able to do so you know what you qualify for, you know what the taxes are in the areas you want to invest in. So I'd start with, you know, preparation. Preparation is certainly key for anyone that wants to invest. So 12 to 24 months, just kind of be ready. It's kind of like what happened um, in the stock market during COVID, you know, everything kind of went down. And so, you know, anyone that was kind of in the market, you know, a lot of, us maybe weren't worried because you know we just knew that it would take a turn. And so we put our dollars and cents into things as they were, you know, on the decline. And and now we're reaping the benefits of those investments that we made while things were on the decline. So I think the same thing happens with real estate. So there are a lot of savvy investors, and I encourage us all to be those savvy investors and, and be prepared for what could potentially happen the next 12 to 24 months.
1: Yeah. I think the thing is, you, you know, I always talk about it on the podcast. Like at this point in time, if you really want to have a retirement or freedom at some point, you can't just work and have a 401k. Like you, you have to invest in tangible assets in you know, whatever, just in some kind of asset class, that's going to, because, you know, growing up in predominantly black community, it was just work hard, save your money, put it under the mattress or put it in the bank. Right. Like, you know, now, I mean, with inflation, the dollar value is not, it's just, it's going down. And so they're printing money so fast. So if I just put my money in the bank, I'm making 0.0%, point oh percent not even 1%. Well, inflation is usually, you know, two and a half to 3.8% a year. Right. So I'm actually paying them to hold my money versus them paying me. And so I think you hit it on the head. It's, yeah, this is the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast, but I tell people all the time, just find an asset class that you're passionate about, something that you can dive deep into and know the ins and outs, and then invest. Just That's the reason I wanted to start this podcast, just to try to motivate people that you have to have ownership. You have to have multiple income streams. And like I said, being growing up with a single mom, when she lost her job, that was the only income stream we had. And it taught me a lot. It was one of the reasons I started my lawnmower business at 12 years old, because I was like, "Okay, I'm going to help my mom pay bills. I'm going to help my mom. And so I've always had that mentality of multiple income streams and something that I'm very passionate about. So so you mentioned hard money lending. If I gave you two topics that you want to dive deeper into, would it be that or would it be investor transactions? Which one are you more passionate about or feel like it's something that you want to dive deeper into?
0: Yeah, we can certainly speak about um, investor transactions because our money lending, you know, is a part of that uh, yeah. conversation. So,
1: yeah, let's do investors. So what investors, are you seeing your clientele, are they buying single family are they buying condos or are they buying multifamily? What's kind of the asset class in the investment space commercial that you're seeing?
0: Yeah. And so in in the New York market, what I'm seeing is a lot of multifamilies purchases. And so the term that's going around on social media is like that house hacking um, in the sense that, you know, you purchase a multifamily and you live in one unit and you allow the other units to essentially pay your mortgage and you, you know, take a FHA loan because this is now your primary residence and then you know ultimately the goal is to take the equity out of that property and now purchase more multifamily properties so that's certainly what i'm seeing in the investor space not a lot of um condos or co-ops investors don't typically look towards uh those types of property types in new york at least in my experience i think that's that happens more in um In other, you know, other states like kind of like Florida, you know, in vacation spaces because now the thought process is maybe an Airbnb close to a stadium, you know, close to a some sort of attraction. But yeah, definitely a lot of multifamilies, single family homes as well, a lot of fix and flips. But now we know the cost of lumber is like going through the roof. Oh (laughs) man! Yes, it's insane and it's just so crazy because, you know, I I can understand and empathize with both sides. It is unfortunate for the investors that are or builders that are um have entered buyers into contracts last year and then COVID happened and then the cost of everything went up. Um but now what I'm seeing actually on the legal end is now they're attempting to cancel the contracts for the buyers. Mm. So, which is unfortunate because uh, as a buyer, this really isn't something that a buyer would have anticipated and it's not their fault. So now, you know, they're in contract for their dream home and we have, you know, a couple of, of situations where we have the builder that's, you know, attempting to cancel the the contract because of the lumber costs. So so that's that's unfortunate. But again, it's unfortunate for the builder because yeah. um, they could not have anticipated that the cost would go through the roof. So essentially they're losing money on a lot of these deals.
1: Yep. It's an epidemic for sure with lumber, yeah. anything that's supply chain or manufacturing, you know, like we're having to order our appliances six months out. Yes. You know, and then I got a friend who owns some car dealerships like Ford, B&W, like really nice Mercedes. He's like, I usually have 375 cars in my parking lot. Right now I have 70. Wow. When we shut down those shops and shut down the manufacturing last year, it created this bottleneck. And now you anything that's you got to create and build, it's just so tough to get your hands on it right now, which is why lumber, OSB, all those things are so high. So I know one of the things that, that we hadn't talked about is the success that you're having as just a young female Black attorney. Let's talk about that. I mean, I know you're sought out, but you've gotten some awards over the last couple of years that I want to highlight. I think it's important. When you hear super anything, that means you're really good at something, right? Uh, And so to win the super lawyer award, what did that mean to you? And then why do you feel like that the notoriety, like, what are you doing for your clients is creating that atmosphere around you?
0: Yeah, I'm always honored to for anyone to even say my name in a room on a podcast, on, on you know, in, in any type of capacity. So, so it's certainly an honor. Um, Super Lawyers is given to a small percentage of, of lawyers in the United States, probably in the world. Yep. But yeah, so so it's it's such an honor in terms of you know what I'm doing. I think for me, what's super important is to kind of break that stigma of attorney because I've worked in the legal field for so long as a paralegal and now as an attorney. So I, you know, I started in the legal field at 20. So it's been I won't tell my age, but. Um, If you look at my social media, I just had actually a big birthday. Um, So I've been in the real estate
1: industry for a while.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) What was that? You got to tell me now. You got to tell me now.
0: (laughs) At (laughs) crystal.younglaw.
1: Yeah. you like, look it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The last couple of posts. uh, Yeah. I kind of announce it, but yeah. So, so I've been in the real estate industry for a while now. And so I've had the opportunity to work with a ton of attorneys and there are a good number of attorneys that are really, really good people. And, you know, there are attorneys that fit that stigma, um, that what people think of attorney. And so my role and is to really break that. I am a lot of times my clients call and to be honest, I'm like, hey girl, you know, like and so they're always surprised that, you know, I'm really just a a real person. I just happen to have this degree and and some real estate knowledge. But I think that's what is is a reason for some of the success is is just that it's kind of like something that I I'm just really focused on in, in making people feel comfortable. And so, so, so that's kind of set my, set me apart from, from other attorneys, I
1: think. I love it. Yeah. Super lawyer. And then when you're tabbed as one of the top women in real estate in New York, I mean, that's a big deal. So congrats on that. Appreciate you know, it. Thank you. Really? You know, you think about it, really, you got New York, you have LA, Miami. There's like those three to five cities that when it comes to like real estate, it's like, well, man, yeah, like, you know, there's some big moves being made. So congrats on that. So what's your big why? Like, let's talk about that a little bit. I want to, I want to pivot a little bit. Like, why do you get up every day? Like, Why do you do it? Like, what's your big why? You know, because that's why I named the podcast Real Estate Entrepreneur, because although you're a real estate attorney by trade, you're a real estate entrepreneur. So what's your why?
0: Yeah. You know, my why is kind of going back to, you know, seeing my parents and, you know, what they kind of did in terms of, you know, my dad working two jobs, my mom working 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. I mean, who wants to work those hours? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like she just did what she had to do. Dad did what he had to do. You know, we had three kids and they really just just did what they had to do for their family. So now, and then after that, now working in foreclosure and hearing so many stories of the people that were kind of duped um, during the, the, you know, the mortgage prior to the mortgage crisis, and now they were experiencing foreclosure or maybe a job loss. Like, you know, you mentioned your mom, a single mom, you know, now there's no income coming in and you have a mortgage. Now you're in foreclosure. So Really, my why is just to like really educate. I don't want to see anyone, anyone of us, anyone I know, anyone I don't know, to ever be in the situations that my parents were in. Your your family, your mom, my clients. I want all of us to be educated on this generational wealth. That's the word that's flowing around now all over you know social media. <laughs> we want to create. That generational wealth for our families. And I want to be a part of helping to educate people on that. Realist, we understand that, you know, the most successful people on this planet have invested in real estate. And a yeah. lot of the most successful people have become successful as a result of their real estate investments. And so just to be a part of that class. Is amazing. And to be able to educate people of how to get there, to get to that space where now you, you know, own real estate, it's, it's phenomenal. So that's really what, what keeps me moving every day is just knowing I'm part of a space that I'm actually changing lives, you know, working in this space. I feel like I'm changing or helping change the trajectory of people's lives just by, you know, speaking to what they're doing in terms of you know real estate, I'm helping them understand that you don't have to rent forever. You know you actually do qualify for a mortgage, and you know don't be like me. I even rented for a very long time before I decided to actually purchase a home, and I was in the real estate space. Uh, so you know kind of embarrassing to admit, but you know I always thought that it was something you had to wait until you were married. Or, you know, my parents owned a home, but they were married. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought it was, it's something, okay, maybe I can pay the mortgage, but what if there's repairs and, you know, you make these excuses. And so what gets me up and moving every day is really wanting people not to be like me or, you know, or again, those stories of people in foreclosure, I want them to realize that they can create that generational wealth for their families.
1: Love it. Love it. That's a great why. Yeah, because I think at this point in time, like there's so much information out there now. We're like, you know, we used to be in the industrial age. Now we're we've moved into the information age. And so that's this podcast, the things that you're doing with your platforms, like we're just trying to educate. So like we don't want to we don't want to look back and people have excuses that there were not people giving back and giving information, leaving breadcrumbs. Leaving nuggets that they could take and chew on, because at the end of the day, they have to execute on what we're talking about. But we're just making it more readily readily available to them. Yes. So let's talk about this. Your book. You suggested a book. Why? And then let's let's dive into your book club.
0: So I suggested a book uh, when when you and I initially spoke, but now I'm on a completely different book. <laughs> 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 it's, my mind switches. Very quickly, when when I get into a good book, so I actually I have it right here.
1: (laughs) Pull it up. What you got?
0: Open your mind to prosperity by Catherine Ponder. I love it. Yeah, this book is phenomenal. Um, It was actually suggested to me and the book club that I started by a gentleman by the name of Jermaine Miller, who I actually think you would enjoy on your podcast. Um mm-hmm. he's a, a four-time best-selling author. He's um a, a motivational coach, a and he just does some really great things. He's a real estate broker and you know he's doing some great things in the real estate space and also, you know, just to inspire and encourage. But the book club. The book club is named the Infinite Mindset Book Club. And it's Mm. something that I started during the pandemic. As you can see over here, I have a whole bookshelf of books. I've always been, you know, someone who's been into reading books. It got to the point that I was actually purchasing books and just kind of, you know, reading a couple of pages. And, you know, putting the book on the shelf and then, you know, finding another book or coming across another book, sitting it on the the bookshelf. And so what happened I during the pandemic, I actually just posted a picture of my bookshelf in, you know, with a quote, <laughs> boredom. Um, and so one of my friends was actually my prior client, real estate client. She, she said, you should start a book club. And I said to her, I said, listen, I'll start a book club. If you will Uh, you know, work with me with the book club, Mm -hmm. if you'll join it. And so I said, you know what, think about a book club. All we have to do is choose a book. I'll send out a zoom link and see who wants to read the book with us. Yeah. So, you know, so it just seemed very simple.
1: Yeah. Just started. So what's the structure of the book club? Do y'all meet once a week, once a month? Do you check in on zoom? Do you have a group meet? Yeah. I
0: I love it. Yeah. Zoom, zoom every Sunday, 10 a.m. Terrence, I would love for you to come and all your listeners one Sunday just to see what it's all about. But we choose a book. Every week we are assigned to, you know, a couple of chapters, two or three chapters. Then we meet on Sunday, 10 a.m. to discuss those two chapters. What we do is a, actually assign a host for that particular Sunday. So one of the members of the group is like introduced kind of like a, it's a lot of entrepreneurs in this book club. So, you know, we'll throw up a slide, throw up their face, you know, talk a little about what they do and then allow them to take over the book club. And so they're directing the conversation based on the two chapters we've read and it's good. It's an open forum. Everyone kind of participates. And, you know, we have this thing that we call a book drop. So it's like, you know, what were the two most, you know, or one of the most powerful passages in the book? And we kind of go around the room and everyone just reads that passage, that one liner and kind of drops their book for the book drop, because these books are so powerful. They're so insightful. They're really life-changing. This book, uh, Open Your Mind to Prosperity, actually caused me to clean out my closets, throw yeah. some things away. <laughs> and it was really symbolic because yeah. it was like, you know, you get rid of the clutter in your life and that then brings upon, you know, allows space for prosperity. You have to first clean it all out and then you're allowing space for, you know, good juju, prosperity, all those good things that enter into your life. So that's something that I learned into this in this particular book. And the books that we've been reading, we read Think and Grow Rich, which everyone has read, you know, maybe once or twice, Uh, Napoleon Hill and other books that, you know, that are within this self-development genre.
1: Man, I love it. I love it. Definitely. You got me. So there was, when I retired from the NFL, I went on this financial literacy journey and I was 23 at the time. And I went to Barnes and & Noble and I just started pushing books in, the, in a cart, right? Literally, if it was like entrepreneurship, finance, real estate, it didn't matter. I was just buying it. And I read 40 books in 16 months. And I wasn't a huge reader before that because I was an athlete. It's just tough to read and, you know, it's always running. I read the Bible, but other than that, I didn't really read books. And those 40 books kind of set me on this path that I'm on, obviously, 10, 12 years later. But I'm up to 550 books in my library now. I kind of go in and out where it's like, I'll go for like 30 days and read three, four books and then I'll skip a month. And so this book club, I got to, I got to jump on this idea because it reminds me of Bible study, right? Like I've led Bible studies for years and I had one where it was about 15 men that were all married. And I laid it for three years at my office on like, I think Tuesday nights at 630, from 630 to 639. It's just that consistency. Yeah. And then the, the camaraderie and the accountability. So Thank you for the nugget. I got to get my book club going.
0: Yes, get your book club going. And I actually like to mention, so, you know, Jermaine Miller, uh, a powerful author, he actually suggested this book, Open Your Mind to Prosperity. But now we've actually branched off the book club and now we do a study group on Sundays at 6 p.m. So we have the 10 a.m. book club and then we have a study group Sundays at 6 p.m. And that book club is actually headed by Jermaine Miller. So he, oh. you know, kind of breaks down each, you know, pretty almost every passage of the book and really gets into the mind, you know, as an author himself of, you know, what the author's intent of, you know, the different passages are. So that's actually something you should check out as well.
1: I would love to. We'll connect. Yeah. Give me the, give me the link. I'm going to jump on there. So final thoughts for the listeners. Man, that, hang, that hour flew by. What's your final thoughts for our, our listeners on the, on the Real Estate Entrepreneur podcast? Any thoughts?
0: So first off, I'd like to thank you, of course, for having me on the podcast and for just creating this space. But with regard to a, any entrepreneur, any person that's looking to buy a home, what I would suggest to you is that you have to take action in anything that you do. You know, we can pray, we can meditate, but we have to follow that up with action. So the action can be simple, very small steps. When if you are looking to say purchase a home or invest with your first home, or you want to just invest in a, maybe even commercial space, you want to just do your research and see what is was what is it even going to take for you to do so. Get a mentor. You have someone like Terrence and his podcast. Um, you know, I would listen to his episodes and see who's spitting those jewels and. You know, and there's so much information now, just like Terrence said, we are in a informational age where, you know, you kind of go on YouTube, you go on Spotify and all these podcast outlets and, you know, all the information is there. So listen to the information, do your research and then meditate on it, write it down. And then after you write it down, you need to take small steps to work towards your goal. Um, so that's where I would leave off in this podcast is just go for it. I would love to hear those stories, those testimonies of how, you know, you came in, you heard, you know, maybe something I said or Terrence said. And, you know, that pushed you in the right direction, because, you know, if if I hear something like that, that means that my job was done here. So thank you again, Terrence, for having me today.
1: Man, great job. And and like Crystal said, you know, if you're inspired by this podcast. First off, leave a review. Thank you. But secondly, if you make a move and you buy your first investment property and it was something that she said, tag her in it on Instagram, you know, because I think when we're, you know, when you're giving and you can tell she's a giver, it's always good sometimes to know that you're making an impact. And so I just want to challenge everybody listening to this episode. Take 30 seconds and like her page, follow her, like send a message saying, thank you for what you said. I'm going to take action. And uh, we're just going to keep inspiring. We're going to keep giving and we're just going to keep raising humanity as a whole. So thank you so much. Great job. One day we're going to do business together somehow, some way. We're going to be on a stage together leading people. I don't know. I could just see it now. Uh, but appreciate you so much.
0: I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm inspired by you. So thank you.
1: Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform
0: you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review, as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to TerrenceMurphy.com.